This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Cruise Control, that car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury and I'm joined in the studio. All three of us are here together in the same room. Uh, Of course, I want to introduce Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, Daniel. Hello again, Richard. I saw you this afternoon earlier, you did. right? On a live show. I think we can't get enough of each other right yes, now, Yes, yes, yes. You better let your wife know, I'll let my wife know. Well, let's do that. And then, of course, over here, of course, is Ali Johan from BFM.my 89.9, the business station. How yes, are you, Yes, Ali? yes, Well, hey, all of us are here. And we can't get rid of him. Like a bad smell, sometimes. <laughs> Uh, yes, anyway. it's a bad smell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as usual, it is a show in three parts. We've got some news and car launches at the top, a discussion in the middle, and at the back end, we've got a review of the Hyundai Tucson 1.6. Uh, shall we start off with some news then, Ali? Burma's Moto announces the new Mazda CX-5. As we know, the CX-5 has been the brand's best-selling model globally since 2012. And then in 2013, they started building it here, local assemble. Uh, So for this year, they have updated the CX-5 with new styling technologies and features. Got plenty of new, nice little things. It's already a good car, Daniel, right? It is a very good car. I mean, you know, this has been globally Mazda's best-selling nameplate, the CX-5. Since it started, and you know, um, I've traveled around the world, luckily to to Europe and America and all that over the last few oh, years. And you, you see, listen it. to him, huh? yeah, I'm showing off a bit. Uh, here we yeah. go, a bit. And you see the CX-5 everywhere, mm. but you don't see a lot of them in Japan. Oh, why is that? Because Japan is filled with so many SUVs. You know, they get they get you know they disappear among all the SUVs. But when you go to Europe, you see it against the Europeans, and you say, "Hey, they're doing well against the Europeans." North America, they're doing very well, mm. and of course, in Asia, they're just booming. So, Burmas has done a very good job because they revived the Mazda brand name in Malaysia. They started with a few vehicles. Now they've got the CX-5 in the next generation, and this one, the launch was yesterday, last night, and a lot of people said, "Oh, it doesn't look that much difference." Yes. Immediately, you'll not notice the differences because on the exterior, it's just the light treatment, the grill, the wheels, the real light treatment, everything else. On the inside, you've got updated technology and all. We'll go through it later. But why hasn't it not changed radically? And I think the reason is when you've got such a beautiful, sexy-looking product, why mess with it? So the CX-5 remains on the sort of higher end in terms of price in its segment. Correct. What is the price now? Okay, the price starts at 144,000 ringgit. It moves upward because there's a few models. Now, it's local assembled. So local assembly means the price has been made more attractive because there's a lot of local content. Of course... You have imported SUVs competing in this price segment. Yep. One of them we're test driving later. Okay, we got the review later. The other one, of course, is the Toyota RAV4, you know, which is 200,000 ringgit. So here comes the problem. If you're imported, you can't compete in this marketplace. Mm. Okay, the immediate direct competitor, which is now going to feel a little bit of the pinch since this car has come out here, eh, is the Honda CRV, which was launched a few months ago, doing very well. The RS version came out a couple of weeks ago. We announced it at 195000 So the decision actually goes between the Honda CRV and this car. Mm. So I think there will be enough people who say, even this is not a radically different car like the Honda CRV and its older model, it's just so beautiful, I'll keep buying it. That's right. 
Yeah, so that's a new CX-5 by Mazda 2024. Next, Mitsubishi are on tour to promote the upgraded variant of the Triton pickup truck. They've got a showroom tour going across the country showing an upgraded variant of this Triton AT Premium, Daniel. Now, this Triton was first shown at the last Klim show. It's been selling for years, okay? It's not a new product. Now, the amazing thing about Mitsubishi in Malaysia, they've just got two products. Mm. they got this and the Expander. Mm. And yet, they command a huge sales segment. Their dealers are opening up. They've got expansion of the brand. You know, if you look in comparison to brands like Subaru, who are not doing that well, and then you start thinking, why is it that Mitsubishi is doing much better? I think it's because Mitsubishi tends to deliver products that are sort of evergreen. You know, like the, the Expander. It's been around such a long time. And still, you see people going to the showrooms and buying it. Yeah. Yes, it's priced very well. Below 100000 you get a seven-seater. It's wide. It's it's reliable. It's got a decent 1.5 engine. And then you got this Triton pickup truck. You've got so many competitors. You've got the Isuzu D-Max. You've got a Nissan Navara. Yeah. All much more modern, more attractive, upgraded features and everything else. And still you got people going in and buying the Triton. And if you go to east coast of Malaysia, you know, my favourite place, Trungano in Kelantan, you see so many of these on the road. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Sabah and Sarawak, four-wheel drive country. You see as many as you see the Toyota Hilux. So I think they've just got a wonderful product. Now, I have to remind you that even though this is an upgraded version, the changes are just the front, uh, the front bumper garnish, wheel arch extensions, dynamic sports bar, the visors, a new decal design that's basically sticker on the job, 18-inch rims with Yokohama, dual-ended tires, illuminators, cuff plates, new headdress design. Now, all this have been done locally. So what, what it means is this is the last hurrah before the next generation Triton lands in Malaysia. Still got the same 2.4-litre turbo diesel engine and price in Peninsula Malaysia is 135900 and in Sabah and Sarawak, 2,000 ringgit more, 137 ringgit. That's because 100. it's got to be delivered there, you know? It's got to be shipped there. You can check out the Mitsubishi Roadshow, check out the new Triton AT Premium, especially if you are in Kuantan, Temerloh, JB and Melaka. Next, Chinese automaker GAC, they have shown a new SUV model and it's about to enter the Malaysian market soon. Carrying a price tag of below a hundred thousand ringgit. Yes, Ooh. it'll start from just below a hundred thousand. Oh, start and it'll yeah. move upwards. Now, GAC GS3. As the show is going on, the launch is going on in PJ. So I have to rush after this, you know, to that show. So I'm I'm making a big sacrifice because I wanted to see this kind person. You've been sat here all day. I know <laughs> because the coffee is great. We've given you coffee. We've anyway. Carry yeah. on. So yes. this is a good looking vehicle. I mean, look at the pictures. Yeah, it is. This, if you take away the GAC badge, you'll think it's European. Yeah, you'll think it's American. You will not say it's coming from China. Now, this is what I've been talking about: the Chinese invasion in the SUV crossover segment. I've been saying it many times over the last few months. On top of that, we got this big price war coming. Now, at a hundred from a hundred thousand ringgit, because there's going to be a few variants. We'll get the actual prices later today. Tomorrow, I'll be able to share it with you guys for the next week's show. So, can you imagine now who is going to be affected? Now, number one will be, of course, our very own Proton X50. Oh, mm -hmm. same size. Same size. Also a Chinese brand. You know, Geely uh, made it. Now, we got some news about Geely later and the X50, but let's let's just think about it. They're going to be affected because the price is very close. Mm. And it's really good looking, right? Mm. Then you've got the Hyundai Creta, the small little SUV. That's also going to be affected. Then you've got the latest Hyundai 
WRV, which is selling like hotcakes, there will be some customers who say, hey, maybe I'll look at this. Because why? That whole made in China thing is no longer a bad word. You know, that whole made in China thing is quite exciting right now. Then you've got another brand from China, Omoda 5, which is about 10,000 ringgit more. Then you've got the soon-to-arrive MG4 EV, which is supposed to be about 104,000 ringgit. So will there be a price war like we said three weeks ago? Yes. There is going to be a price war, and the winners are going to be Malaysian consumers. You heard it here first. Well done, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) The GAC GS3, 1.5-litre four-cylinder engine, making about 166 horsepower with 265 Nm of torque. Five colour options with a two-tone finish, so it gives it that floating roof impression. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a bit wider and longer than the X50, right? But uh, speaking of the X50, now we're going to go to a global headline because the X50 original twin sibling, the Geely Cool Ray, is still appealing with over 800,000 units sold in over 40 countries. 40 countries. Mm. This is really a global vehicle. You know, and we're not talking about, you know, underdeveloped countries. We're talking about developed first world countries. This X50 has just shot through the roof. Now, of course, in Malaysia, they had to call it the X50 because they're a partnership with Proton. But the international name is Geely Cool Ray. Now, when it was first launched for the Philippines market, and I saw the name Cool Ray, I thought, what a cool name. Mm. You wouldn't think a car would be called something like this, you know. But Cool Ray, it's uh, basically the same thing that we get in Malaysia. It's got everything else, you know, in terms of uh, tech, features, uh, engine capacity and everything else. So 800,000 units in 40 countries. Now, Geely is doing fantastic things around the globe with other brands also. One of them is Zeker. Have you heard of Zeker? No. Okay. Zeker is their 100% electric car brand. Now, Zeker has got a lot of things which will be similar to Smart and Polestar in terms of engineering. Because why? It's all under Geely. Mm. Geely, you know, owns Volvo, 100%. They own Polestar, electric car brand. Of course, Volvo is going all electric right now. Then they uh, they have uh, Zika, they have Lincoln Co. And they've got, uh, soon to arrive, uh, the, the Proton version of their electric car. So there's a good chance that Zika, when it comes to Malaysia, will be sharing some parts some some technology with the Proton electric car. But Zika will come as a brand here. Mm. And Zika will be sold here. And you heard it here first. It will arrive this year. Interesting Ooh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do we know what model they're likely to be sending over to us? They have not said, but I think it'll start with the SUVs. Because why? SUVs are still you know in demand, whether small or big. Okay, uh, can we have some news about Porsche, please? Yes. Yes, I know. I know you like Porsche yeah. because that's your, you know, earning demographic. <laughs> I wish <laughs> that's my dream demographic. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. We have a second generation Porsche Macan, and it's now gone fully electric. Daniel. Yes. So we all love the Macan. It's mm. a good-looking vehicle. You know, to me, uh, it's one of the best Porsche products in recent times. I mean, the sports cars all look great, but the Macan just had a timeless look. And now we get a full electric Macan. So I only have this to say. It was launched in Singapore, global launch in Singapore. So why not Malaysia? Okay, that's for another day. So they did the global launch in Singapore. Two versions were out, the Macan 4 and the Macan Turbo. Uh, Output of 408 PS and 615 newton meters of uh, torque. The Macan Turbo has 639 PS with 1,130 newton meters of torque. Correctly. Now... The 0 to 100 dash for the Macan 4 is 5.2 seconds. Now, the turbo 
does it in 3.3 seconds. Can you imagine a vehicle of this size doing it in 3.3 seconds? Electric vehicles are just insane in terms of pickup and, and mid-range torque. How do you put a turbo in an electric car? Okay, there is no physical turbo. Right. So what Porsche has done, even with the Taycan, they have a Taycan turbo. Ah. Now, the word turbo means the faster version. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's uh, go faster strike Because they haven't built a turbo for an electric right. motor well, I mean, that's what I'm just thinking yeah. I think it would have a different name though But I mean, obviously we've got we've grown up And we've gotten yeah. used to that, right? Yeah, because EVs tend to give uh, the higher spec As the longer range ah, yeah. yes. ah, Instead yeah. of a okay, turbo okay. version But for Porsche, they say we keep using the word turbo Because why? It's such a nice name to say You know, Porsche Turbo yeah. mm. So this <laughs> new vehicle It's got great features You know, 800 volt architecture DC fast charging, you know, 10 to 80% in 21 minutes. It's It's got all the tech and more of the Taycan. So mm. it's, to me, it's an upgrade of the Taycan. Mm. So my worry is now, and I worry this for Porsche Malaysia, not for the other Porsche dealerships. When people go in to buy a Taycan, they might say, hey, maybe I'll get the Macan. Mm. You know? Price difference between the two? They haven't given the prices yet because it's just launched. Malaysia has not launched a vehicle yet. But I am very sure, very sure, you heard it here first, it'll be priced very close to the Taycan and Taycan S Turbo. Because why? You're using roughly the same kind of engineering architecture, materials, fit, finish. It's just a different shape. Mm. Because when it comes to electric cars, it's all about what's underneath, you know, the motor and, and, and battery. In terms of design, you're, you're not moving very far away. Mm. Mm. And both vehicles are already tax-free. So there's no preferential treatment for SUV or sedan, you know? which you had before. So I think it's going to be very closely priced, which means you're going to have a bit of cannibalization within the, the segment. Should we take a short break? Uh, we'll be back after these messages, of course. We've got some stuff uh, about a discussion. Are we talking about uh, Dieselgate? What Something diesel- like that. Oh, my word. We'll be right. That sounds very uh, intriguing. Don't go anywhere. This, of course, is Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. FM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to Cruise Control. I'm here with Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and, of course, Ali Johan. Uh, we're now into part two of the show. We're in the middle. Uh, it's, it's the filling of the sandwich. Um, it's our discussion. Toyota Dieselgate 2024. What's going on, Daniel? <laughs> oh, he's sighing already. I, I'm just shocked because, you know, recently we heard about Toyota and Daihatsu, their sister company, yep. uh, some irregularities. And I, 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 I know you were very upset and you were very shocked yes. that it was a Japanese company causing yes, all of these yes, problems. Yes, yes, you know, yes, and, yes. you know, they had some some issues with safety, you know. Yes. Uh, documentation on safety records and uh, safety testings were, mm-hmm. were questioned and they had to come up with a statement and say, okay, we'll stop, we'll stop selling certain models, we're going to relook at everything and all that. So we thought, okay, all that put aside. And this is the biggest car company in the world. You know, they sell cars everywhere. I mean, even you go to war-torn zones, you see Toyota's running around, mm. you know. Even the the the... the the bad guys are using Toyotas to yeah. carry their stuff, yeah, you know, yeah, and, their, yeah. and, their, and their troops. Now you hear about diesel engines built for Toyota vehicles were tested with modified software. Oy. So this is exactly like diesel gate with Volkswagen. Oh, dear. Now, so is it the vehicle manufacturer or the fault of the software manufacturer, the provider, or is it the fault of, like, in terms of diesel gate, it was the, the items that was you know, the diesel pump and the diesel software and the diesel equipment 
that was giving the wrong indication. Because why? These are third-party providers who provide the equipment to ensure that the car manufacturer gets the best emissions and best fuel consumption okay. from their engines. Yeah. So who do you blame? Who takes the blame? Who takes the, the flag for saying... I did a bit of a cheat, you know? You see, this is a difficult dis- discussion for us to have on air. Right. Because of potential legal repercussions. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> because we can't say, you know, the software company is at blame. Right. And we can't say... The equipment supplier is The equipment is supplier is at blame. And we can't say Toyota is in cahoots with these two, right. you know, companies. Um yeah, it's a difficult discussion to have, Dif- right? Difficult discussion to have. So but, you could probably do it on your website, though. Uh, well, this is what I'm going to say without making any legal issues. Now, will it actually make any difference to Malaysian car buyers? No. Nothing. Mm. you got a, you got a Toyota. It's reliable. It's running well. Uh, your after sales is very good. Uh, your parts pricing is very good. Your, 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 car, your diesel car is not smoky. Your pickup truck is not smoky. Your van is not smoky. Does it really make a difference? If you have said um, it's been alleged that Toyota vehicles are less safe than others on the road, right. that would have made a difference. Right. This I don't think will. Yeah. So you see now, you talk about it. Um, you know, California Air Resource Board is taking this very seriously and a few other, uh, you know, government agencies around the world. Now, when you talk about all these government agencies, I think uh, sometimes... Okay, I, I might be overstepping my boundaries here a bit, but because it's overseas, I don't mind. Maybe they're trying to protect their internal car market. Okay. Because Toyota is doing so I, well. I see where you're going with this, yeah. You know, yeah. and when you talk about like the Hilux pickup truck yeah. or, you know, the Tundra in the in the US, uh, the, the high-ace van, anything diesel that Toyota produces mm. sells like hotcakes Outside of Japan. But what are the kind of sales figures of stuff like, and I'm assuming Ford is going to be very high up there, right? You know, <laughs> yes, but... Do if, they outstrip the sales of Toyota there? I, I think maybe Toyota is number three, if okay. I'm not mistaken, in terms of pickup trucks and so commercial So Ford, vehicles. Dodge maybe? Yes, Dodge, uh, Chevrolet, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and maybe Chevrolet and Toyota, you know, uh-huh. they fight a lot. But, you know, can you, can you imagine the implications even in U.S.? The buyer is not going to say anything. He said, mm. listen, I've had my Toyota for how long? Mm. It's never given me any problem. It's running well, and I'm going to buy a new one. Does it really matter if it's a little bit more smoky? Mm. Does it matter if it's not complying to your air regulation? But I think there's a lot of protection going on here because why? Even though Toyota has big factories in the U.S., building these trucks, building these diesel engines from scratch because they are they are made only for the US. Like the Tundra doesn't come into our part of the world. Yeah, it's yeah. only sold there. I think they're still like, oh, the profits are going back somewhere else. Uh-huh. They're, not, they're not staying in our country. So I think it's a game. I really think it's a game. But you know, I can't be sure. You think they're playing politics? I think they're playing politics. Yes, there might have been uh, some discrepancy. Okay, very small maybe, because they've not given the, the, the actual figures. We've actually reached out to Toyota's PR department asking them, is there a statement coming from, from Malaysia? They said they're working on it. They're trying to get the facts right before they release anything. Because again, in Malaysia, they're number one for all these segments. Why would it change the minds of the buyer? Mm. Even if you go and Google all this, there's an official statement mm. which came from Japan, and that was it. And I think the official statement came out simply because... When one country makes, when one dominant market makes enough noise, they have to come up with an official mm. statement. Now, with the safety issues, okay, since the safety issue came up, let's talk about it. Has there been a drop in Toyota sales? No. Has there been a drop in Perdua sales? No. Because why? 
It's a small issue. When it comes to the buyer's market, they want reliable cars. They want good cars. They want cars with good resale value. Is, is it that, though? But is it also a, a lack of knowledge? You know, with this piece of news, it wouldn't make headlines, would it, necessarily? It might be on page 15, exactly. 16, 17. Exactly. It wouldn't know? be on front page news. And if you're not into automotive news, you, you might not even know about you it. Will not, because not, it's not even shared online. Right. It's not even shared on WhatsApp groups. Because... I'm on so many WhatsApp groups, I didn't get any alert. Because when people read it, ah, it's okay. Right. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Mm. Mm. But the comments I got when I put up the article, there were a lot of comments, you know, which is fine. Some people have come and asked, hey, got any issue? And said, no, I got I got six airbags, yeah. I got ABS. I think there are bound to be one or two customers who are conscious about mm. this. Yeah. Sort of you want it to be safe. Yeah. They're not going to make a big issue out no. of it. No, the remote cases, yeah. it looks it. Okay, thank yeah. you, Daniel. We avoided any legal issues there. Uh, we, uh, we, nothing, we, we nothing. I hope so. There. Yeah, we did, we did. Uh, okay, time for a short break, folks. When we come back, we've got a car review, much safer. Mm. Don't go anywhere. Of course, coming up is the review of the Hyundai Tucson 1.6. You tune into Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. We're into the third and final part of the show. It's that car review time. Can this latest Hyundai Tucson challenge the Chinese SUV invasion? That's a rather clickbaity title, don't you think? It is. It's very clickbaity. <laughs> Who wrote that? I wrote I, it. I thought you might have done <laughs> I'm a clickbait because I go fishing a lot. <laughs> fishing for news. Anyway, so this is a Hyundai Tucson that was actually launched three years ago mm. globally. A new model has just come out, just come out, but it's not in Malaysia yet. So this is in terms of... Uh, you know, product is three-year-old product. But for Malaysia, it arrived just three months ago. Okay. Now, why the delay? There's many reasons. I will tell you this. Sometimes product planners, they want a certain vehicle. They want it for a certain kind of price. It takes a long time to, for them to get that price because we have so many agencies here that you need to go to and apply for, you know, discounts and allotment and this one. And when you're talking about a fully imported vehicle like this, this is not local assemble. There are a lot of considerations because maybe at first they thought, let's local assemble, you know, because the Tucson previous models were all local assemble. They had a very good price point. But maybe when they said, I want a local assemble, maybe Korea said, well, you know, we can't give you the CKD packs. Or maybe the factory wasn't ready. Or maybe they thought, hey, we got a Chinese invasion here. We can't compete in terms of CKD. Because CKD, you must have volume. If you don't have volume, there's no point doing it. Mm. So the, the sweet spot is like 1,500 or you know 2,000 vehicles a year. Now, that previously can easily be done. Mm. Because why? You only had a handful of competitors. Now you've got Cherry. Yeah. You know, coming in very strong. You got Honda still there, very strong. You got Toyota still there, very strong. Mazda yeah. with three, four, five different SUVs to play with, you know? Proton. Then you got Proton mm. with two SUVs, one large SUV, mm. you know? So you got all this coming, plus you got the new brands coming in. Then you got smaller SUVs. From uh, from electric car brand, so suddenly you, you start thinking and you sit down in product planning and you say, "Can I really do two thousand cars? Can I really do one thousand cars? Can I just can I just take a risk? You know, because why? If you bring in these cars and you don't sell them, then you're another problem. So it's safer to do CBU." 
put a slightly higher price. Now, when you take a, take a look at a CBU card, which means fully imported, against CKD, which is local assembly, I know our local assembly is very good. I know we do local assembly for so many years. We've got factories running, very professional. We even have Porsche doing local assembly in Malaysia. Mercedes has been doing a long time. BMW Mini has been doing a long time. But let me tell you this. I like CBU cars. I'm like Singapore. Singaporeans only buy CBU cars. Interesting. It's just a stigma. So, now comes the Hyundai Tucson in three variants, okay? So, there's a two-liter um, using a, a normal aspirated engine. They call it the smart stream engine. There's a 1.6 turbo low spec and a 1.6 turbo high spec. So, I decided to take the 1.6 turbo high spec because why? In a CBU market, you're talking about people with money. Number two, you're talking about people who definitely want a high spec. They'll want everything loaded into the car. So they loaned me the car. It took me a little bit of time to get the car because they were like, uh, we don't expect to sell a lot of cars. And you know, you're, you know, if you go on the radio and you start saying great things about this car, you know, we, we won't be able to fulfill all the orders because it's CBU from Korea. You know, now we're doing a few hundred cars. We can't go to a few thousand cars overnight, you know. So we don't want to disappoint our, our buyers. So I, I, I said, please, I, I really want to see how much forward this car has gone. So... This new uh, Hyundai Tucson has grown in size. I'll give you an example. If you look at the new Honda CRV, it's also grown in size, right? So this has grown in size in tandem with the Honda CRV. It's bigger than a Lexus NX, for example. So it's a pretty big size car. It's the same size as the old Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay, oh, they oh. are big. Yes, but lower roof line, ah. slightly lower roof line. So the Santa Fe's were big. Yeah. Of course, the new one is much bigger. So it's grown in size. Of course, the new Santa Fe is also grown in size. So in terms of um, dimensions, I'll give it to you. It's 20 mm longer, 15 mm wider. Now, you might say that's all mm, but actually it makes a difference every time you look at it. And in terms of design, if you look at this vehicle, I think even though it's a three-year-old product, it really looks very futuristic. You know, the cascading grill in front, yeah. you know, the, the way the light treatment, the hidden lights behind the grill, you know, and that flushed Hyundai logo. It's all very, very premium looking. Nice big wheels. It's got 19-inch wheels on this, okay? So they've done a good job on the exterior. Uh, then, of course, if you look at the side profile of the vehicle, it's got, it's got like, this jewel-like lines on it, you know? Sharp edge lines on it. Now, some will say, wow, oh, if accident, uh, very hard to knock back one, eh? Actually can. Like, nowadays, they've got technology to knock back like, even all these unusual lines. Because why? The German cars also have it. Audi has it. BMW has it. So it's not difficult anymore. Yeah. Last yeah. time, people thought, you know, slab-sided curve lines can do. Anything with too many, you know, too many surfaces, you know, cannot. So that's no problem. Get into this car. This is the best part. Get into this car. Look at the dashboard. Like. Mm. Nice, clean, simple, straightforward dashboard with the center console slightly angled towards the driver. Mm. I like this. So it's not flushed, yeah, straight, yeah, yeah. slightly angled. So if you're sitting in the driver's side, you don't get that. You know, when the sun hits it, you don't get that. Oh, I can't see the thing, you know? Uh, no. I like that. They've thought about it. The screen is small. I don't like big screens because why? It's confusing. And it's sitting inside the dashboard, the digital screen. It's not sitting up on the dashboard. I've, I've mentioned it many times. I know some of you listening have cars with, <laughs> with screens sitting on top of the dashboard. You think I'm being silly, but that's me personally. I like it flushed within the dashboard. So the driver information screen is right in front. It's all digital. Infotainment, aircon, and everything else is in the center console, right on the dash, easy to reach, easy to use. Then 
on the driver's left-hand side, you got the gear shifter. Now, this is drive-by-wire 7-speed DCT. So instead of having a gear shifter, they have buttons. So you have D, park, reverse. Now, as a traditional old man like me who <laughs> drives cars, I get into this. The first few times, I'm, I'm finding it difficult. You know, these buttons. I, I mean, you don't keep changing your gears all the time. When you're in D, you're D. When you're reverse, you're reverse. But you just like to feel something. You like to hold like on to something. Push and pull. Yeah, push and pull, slide, whatever. Mm. So you, you need some time to get used to it. Luckily, I had it over five days. By the third day, I was, I was at home with it already. Okay. So it's not difficult to use. Minimalist, that's the right word, you know? Yeah. Now, the one thing that impressed me and has impressed me over the years with all Hyundai models, even the low price models, is their sound system. They don't have a branded sound system. They've got a simple, you know, factory sound system. But it's very decent it's easy to use. The sound quality also delivers, I think, is very good for what you pay. You don't need to go to an audio shop and upgrade unless you're some kind of psychotic audiophile. You know? <laughs> so now let's talk about the driving. You start up the car. It's a 1.6 turbocharged car. So it's a bigger car. Obviously, it's heavier. It's got bigger wheels. It's got wider track. But that 1.6, they've got smart, eco, and sports mode. So if you go in eco mode, it's very lethargic. But your fuel consumption is great. Yeah. So there's a reason. Early morning, you're going to work, put it in eco. Evening, you're coming back from work. Like yesterday evening, the rain. My uh, word. Yeah. That's when you want eco mode. Like, because you're just crawling, crawling. I took, took me two hours to get home. So you're just crawling. That's fine. Smart is a little bit of a combination of both eco and sport. Now, if you go to sports mode, this is a machine to live with. Now, it's not supposed to go around corners fast. It's an SUV. It's large. But you can actually get a wheel spin in second gear. <laughs> You can actually feel the wheel spinning if you really push it in sports mode. So the get up and go is really good. Now, it's got 180 horsepower, which is pretty decent. It's got 265 newton meters of torque. So that's the torque that gets you that wheel spin. The 0 to 100 is 8.8 .8 seconds. It's not blindingly fast. It's not an electric vehicle. But for something of this size, this heft, 8.8 .8 seconds is pretty, pretty good. Now, rear seat comfort. I put three adults in the rear seat. No problem. Leg room and thigh support. So three in the back, no problem. If Richard is driving the car, Richard can sit at the back. Hmm. Headroom's okay? Headroom is okay. Okay? Because the, the seat is low, the ceiling is a bit high. Now, maybe in the back seat for you, Richard, maybe. Now that uh. I think about it, yeah. For me, there was no issue. For my son, who's six feet, no issue. My son is taller than me. But for you, maybe at six one, six two, six three, right? No, I'm six foot. Six foot, huh? Yeah. Oh, then no problem. No? Ah, well, there you go. Oh, you look taller. Like. Well, you see. Maybe because I'm it's short. It's just how I carry myself. Oh, Daniel. you carry yourself yeah, with a lot of height. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boot space is big. Three golf bags will go in the back, no issue. And it comes with a full-size spare tire. Full-size spare tire, which a lot of people say, why I don't have a full-size spare tire? Now they give you. Mm. So 195000 is the selling price of this high-spec version, which is very close to the high-spec Honda CRV, which is slightly lower than the Toyota RAV4 which is slightly higher than the Mazda CX-5 high-spec version. So, you're somewhere in the middle there. Now, the only thing that is holding back the success of this vehicle is the badge, not the vehicle. And I say this because, first of all, it's being distributed by Saim Dhabi. Mm. Saim Dhabi Motors, they do a good job with all their brands. They are big corporation, they got after sales, they got everything, parts, everything. So why is it not selling as much as you think it sell? Because Malaysians don't appreciate Korean brands. They appreciate Korean fried chicken, Korean drama, 
But when it comes to Korean cars, because the same with Kia, the Kia Sorento, fantastic vehicle, starts at 220,000, huge yeah. seven-seater. But why is it not selling in big numbers? Yeah. Because there's something about Korean brand value in Malaysia that says, hmm, maybe not. I don't understand that. Yes. Everywhere else appreciates it. Exactly. You go to Singapore, they sell more than Malaysia. Yeah. Thailand is selling well. Australia, New Zealand, boom. You go to Europe, they outsell a lot of German yeah. brands. Yeah. So it's not an Asian thing. It's mm. a Malaysian thing. Mm. Mm. So I don't know what the reasons are, but it's just not working to their benefit. What's the waiting time for a CBU unit like this? Well, I know when I picked up this car, they had a customer waiting about six weeks. Not bad. That's not, not terrible. Bad. That's not terrible because Hyundai now has become more of a CBU market mm. for their cars. Okay. Not bad. There we go then. That's all we've got time for today, folks. Of course, as usual, a show in three parts here on Cruise Control. Uh, we had the uh, news at the beginning, of course, with Mazda, some Mitsubishi Triton stuff, GAC, the Porsche Macan, Electric, Geely, you name it, it was all there. Then in the middle, Dieselgate 2024, Toyota, yeah, all that stuff. And then, of course, wrapping up with the car review there of the Hyundai Tucson 1.6, courtesy of Daniel. If you missed any part of this show, we recommend you download the podcast. It's available uh, wherever you normally get your uh, podcast from. We recommend using the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. We'll be back same time, same place next week here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.